Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview B. Michelle. She is a business branding coach who lives in San Antonio, Texas. In our conversation, B and I discuss the fundamentals of branding, her experience as a teacher in a foreign country, and how passion and purpose are essential in sharing your message. Okay, so hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. And uh, my guest today is uh, B. Michelle of bmichelle.com. She is a brand coach who's lived in San Antonio for the last seven years, uh, started an event planning company, and turned into a branding company uh, three years ago. B. Michelle, thank you for being on the Black Gold Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. Yes, for sure. Totally. No problem. So uh, B. Michelle and I met on a group in, uh, on Facebook. And um, being a brand coach, uh, what is the one thing you've, you've found that most people, most uh, companies have been lacking in terms of their getting their message, their brand across? Well, honestly, it's really the, la- the a lot of what's lacking is people really understanding how to develop the brand. So even before you really start marketing and doing social media ads and producing flyers and um, other marketing collateral, you want to really understand who your target audience is. So that's really important that you um, that you know who that demographic demographic is, because everything that you do in your business is targeted towards them, and especially if you have a specific niche um, for a specific audience. So everything you do will be catered to to them. And so that's what a lot of times a lot of people feel like their business is for everybody and nobody's business is for everybody. Um, and even a lot of fortune 500 companies, you'll see they really specific target a specific group of people. Um, you know, it's people, a lot of people don't like Walmart. Well, there's target and there's you no know, other options. Walmart is for Walmart is for a specific group of people. So yeah. you should take the same, um, notion for your business and realize that your business is for a specific group of people as well. It's not for everyone. And sometimes, a lot of times in a small business, you don't even have the marketing budget to market to everybody because that's very costly. So this is why it's important that you narrow down who your target audience is and who your business is for and what type of experience you want those specific people to have because that's really what helps you develop your brand. Okay, so what you're saying is that your brand is the public's image of who you are? Yes, but, that is very much true. Okay. Yes. That, that's, that's something that's really important in terms of um, getting your name out there, the, the name of your service out there. Um, what are the things that you've seen that people do whenever they're starting a new business, a new uh, venture that they don't have the branding associated with their with their testimonials with their mission statements what do you find is one of the the most like 
glaring failures that, that they have? Um, well, a lot of it is that I don't think people understand the process of actually really establishing their business, like literally the foundation of the business and what that really looks like. So that way it's consistent across the board. So for example, I had a client call me because he wants to sell sneakers online. Well, we kind of, so I said he wanted, he wanted a website. So um, two of my clients who are friends with him referred him to me. And so I sent him our website questionnaire and most of the answers on the questionnaire questionnaire was no, 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 no. So I felt like I was in a, a Destiny's Child song. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, which was okay because then that gave me information on how to help him. Well, when we had the conversation to talk about his questionnaire, he, I did have to explain to them, hey, before you get a website, you need, you skip like a hundred steps before you get to the website. Like you have to get a DBA or you got to get an LLC. You need a business bank account. These are all things that are important in establishing your brand as well as your business because from the outside looking in, these are things that people see. When they see LLC at the end of your name, people feel a little bit different. That gives your brand a little bit more trust. Yeah. So these things help help people develop that um, thought and help them develop how they really want to perceive you when they see you on paper. So it's kind of like you don't want to set up a website and you're selling sneakers and you barely got a DBA. You don't have a business bank account. Um, and it's a lot, you know, you, you run into a lot of problems. So having explaining, so I have to kind of explain that to him that these are some of the, the first things you need to do before we even get to the website. And I find that to be common with a lot of businesses. They skip a lot of steps. They skip a lot of steps. And, you know, you get so excited and you're happy to start your business and you just want to get it off the ground. And I totally get it. But you also want to make sure that you're taking the time to do your research because a lot of people don't research either. They just up and say, hey, I want to do this business. And, you know, they'll just go, they'll go online and they may ask people a ton of questions or just go to one person and say, well, how did you do it? Well, you know, that's cool and all, but like also take the time to research and figure out what this industry, what it's like to be in this industry, what business already exists in this industry, who's successful, who's it, who isn't. So a lot of it, it's a lot of things you got to do before you get to the website and start selling stuff. Okay. So what would you say is the first step to starting a business? You have an idea, you want to sell clothing online. Uh, what is one of the first things you should do? Should it be sourcing that clothing, market research? What are the things you think people should do in order to the so first step? The first step is always, always, always research. That is always the first step. You really should spend a good two months or so really researching the industry that you're going to go into. You want to see what's the average prices of things. Who, what, what is the market asking for? Make sure, make sure that the market is asking for this. Make sure that your market, your, wherever you live in your city, if, or if it's online, just knowing your client base, figuring out who your client base is going to be. Thing that people fail to they sometimes forget is that um because I got bad allergies. Um, um sometimes the people the thing one of the things that people fail to forget is that you start a business to solve problems. When you when you really are working within your gift and your purpose, it will all come together. 
And sometimes you might need to take some time to figure out what your gift is and what your purpose is. But when your business aligns with what your purpose is and what you're gifted at, then at that point, then you do the research and you make sure that this is something that consumers are looking for that is wanted. And so I would say definitely a good eight weeks or so really researching, um, doing a SWOT analysis. A lot of people, you know, don't do, don't do a SWOT analysis. And those things are coming real and they come in handy a lot because it allows you to really get a clear picture of what you're up against before you even get out the gate. So research is always first. Okay. So, um, in your time learning to become a brand coach, uh, what tools, what books have you read in order to inform you about first steps, next steps, and last steps in order to get your business going? So be honest, actually, I'm a, I'm a journal article reader. So I read a lot of journal, a lot of journal articles. Um, and a lot of, and I follow like some of the top people that's in my industry. So, you know, things that uh, their blogs and things so that they've written. And not that I don't read books, but I find a lot of, I find like I'm a numbers, like I like to see the numbers. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of get into a lot of articles and journals, um, business journals. Um, and then follow like, and even, you know, dealing with people that work in this branding space that are, you know, in, you know, above kind of where I am kind of follow. listening. And I think it's really important that you follow a lot of people that, um, that are in your industry that are very successful um, as well. So that's really, you know, super important. So I'm more of a, I'm more of a, the books that I read are more so for just personal enjoyment per se. Like, but I mean, I've read like all the, the standards of rich dad, poor dad, the who moved my cheese, all those type of books. But when it comes like, I'm really into like, you know, the blogs and really getting like really intimate with what's happening in my industry. Okay. So who have you found to be um, an invaluable resource that you continue to go to, you continue to read in terms of giving you um, more information about your business of branding, as well as uh, also outputting new stuff that regards new people who are going into the business space and learning about personal branding? Two of the top people that I follow right now um, is Kashira Moffitt. She's really, really good. Um, she talks a lot about, you know, definitely building a six-figure business um, from a branding standpoint. And then um, the she on, is on Instagram. She's known as, um, oh my God, what's her? Um, she does trademarks for brands. And so I follow her as well because I think trademarking is very important and she gives out a lot of good information on why it's important to trademark, make sure that you protect your brand. Um, so those are two of the people that I, um, that I definitely follow um, for sure and have taken um, some of their, taken um, some of their workshops as well. Okay, who's, who's the first person you said? Her name is Kashira Moffitt. How do you, uh, how do you spell that? K-Y-S-H-I-R-A-M-O-F-F-E-T. Okay. And the, the second one was? Um, she goes by the, um, the biz lawyer on Instagram, B-I-Z um, lawyer. I keep, I keep forgetting um, 
her last name. Okay. And those are the two that you suggest people follow on on Instagram in order to... From a brandy perspective, yeah, from a brandy perspective, totally. Like, some other people, like, you be like Master P, that's one of my favorite. So, like, business, business people, like, Master P is, like, like, every, you should really follow him. He really talks a lot about, number one, building business, the things we should be doing in business, and especially as minorities and African-Americans. Um, he gives a lot of great um, business advice, especially to, you know, up and coming music artists, but in general as well. Um, I love, you know, li listening to him and I always, you know, I follow him on Instagram and other platforms as well. Um, one of the other people that I um, tend to I'll tap into is um, Eric Thomas, who's really, really good motivational speaker. Yeah. Um, so, there, and there's some good people, and there's like some really good people. I and mean, there's some, you know, people that are really good, that are not necessarily as well known, but have some good, some good stuff out there as well that I kind of follow just through Facebook. Okay, and the master P is it a master with followed by the letter P? Yes. Okay. He's he was a rapper back in the day. Yeah. Um, so how has the current pandemic? How has that affected your business in terms of getting new new clients and helping people with their businesses uh, to restart and to grow? To be honest, like when it first happened, it was really bad. Um, so it was, I mean, I was kind of going through it like everybody else. So nothing was happening because we were all on quarantine for two, three months. But after, you know, the, it got lifted a little bit in May, things started picking up. And now I'm just like, I, got, I can't catch my breath. I need to catch my breath. It's, we're kind of back to normal now. Yeah. But yeah, those beginning months were rough. Mm -hmm. It was definitely, there was no activity. And then all of a sudden, you know, things kind of, you know, more people, like a lot of businesses were started during this pandemic, a lot. Yeah. How many of the businesses that you are servicing now uh, got started this year? I know for a fact that I, I help establish at least 20. Wow. At least because we do LLC formation for the state of Texas. Um, so I know for a fact I've done at least 20. Okay. And what kind of businesses do they start? Are they? Uh, so we've had um, a beauty and barber. We've had um, a bait like sports, um, trucking. Um, let's see, what were some of the other ones? Help. There was some that were like health and beauty, like products. We've had apparel lines. Um, we've had food and um, bar bartending service. So yeah, so good across the across the. I mean, again, with a wide variety. But so I know for sure at least I've done at least twenty LLCs over between May to now. Okay, so you have is it an uh, an LLC? Uh, tra training company you train the people to no so what I do is I help I complete all the paperwork that they need to get their LLC so every state has a process for you to get an LLC so what I do is I actually complete all the paperwork so the application their EIN number the operating agreement um, and then we meet and go over all the paperwork and I tell them the whole process of what's like the next steps in their business what they need to be doing um, so I set that up so it's kind of like 
what they do like on legal zoom mm-hmm. so i do pretty much similar to what legal zoom does but typically mostly for the state of texas and there's a few other states that i i help with but mostly texas okay so what uh it, do you need to have an llc to start a business or can you just start with that one and get one later so you can start without one and get one later, but I wouldn't make it too much later. So here's my rule of thumb on the LLC situation. If your business requires you to augmentate somebody's body, meaning barber, beauty, massage, tra- you know, sports, training, you should have an LLC to protect yourself. If your business requires you to do something to somebody's house or property, so like lawn and gardening, like contracting, um, and where you're inside people's house cleaning, you should have an LLC. Um, food. So those are my top three. If you work in the food service industry, you definitely should have an LLC because number one, there's already food laws on the, there's already different requirements for food, you know, laws anyway that you should be following, like getting a food handler's license. And in Texas, there's only certain things, there's certain things you, you can actually bake and sell out of your house. After that, you have to function out of a commercial kitchen or get an establishment. So any, yeah, food is definitely a must out the gate. I really wouldn't suggest, I mean, people do it, you know, you, you know, you take that chance, but you never know when something could happen. So the LLC, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, uh, it's a legal covering in terms of yes. the accident and the incident that happens. You are protected apart from the company you've created. Okay. Yes. You're saying for those top three, uh food home management and um health and beauty yeah health and beauty okay the top three llc yeah in terms of starting a uh, a business uh, online um how would you suggest someone goes about getting an llc for a company that um that drop ships uh, apparel I mean, you, I mean, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter whether you have, it's something you do at home or it's online. It's the same process, same process. No, no different process. Okay. And so for the food uh, handling, would there have to be an, ex- an, an um, inspection from the state? Would they have to come inspect your well, house? Yeah. If you get, well, you can bake, like you can do baked goods in the state of Texas. So you can, you can get what's called a cottage license. And that's for you to be able to like just do baked goods, but you got to label them. You know, it's, it's some rules to it. So it's not just, okay, I'm free to bake. It's like you got to get labels. You got to have packaging. So you do have to have some things in place in order to still do it. But after that, you really are supposed to function um, in a commercial kitchen or actually get an establishment. Okay. So, f- for example, if someone were to start a, uh, a food truck, would that have to be um, inspected? Yes. Local government official. Okay. Yeah. So you nobody will come necessarily inspect the house for the like a on a cottage law. You don't need to get your house inspected. But yeah, anytime you have like a commercial kitchen or a food truck or a restaurant, yeah, it will. You know, you have to pass an inspection. Okay. So what is the one industry that you found in in branding? that you've had the most difficulty with in terms of getting across the message um, and, and showing everyone that branding is what they need? Um, holy, that's, a, that's a good question. Good question. I would say possibly construction. 
construction. Why construction? Because, well, and it also depends on the type of construction company that you have. So there's a type where you do like contract work, like, you know, you do remodels and houses and things of that nature. Then there's construction with like actually you build buildings and you do commercial side of it. So on the commercial side of it, you typically would do like, you'd be in the contracting space. And so you might, so from a brand standpoint, like you, there's just certain things that you will have, but you may not need to go like all the way in with it because you're already in this particular space. So it's almost like people know what happens over here. As long as you have all the requirements, you can operate in this space. More so if you're, if you do home, now the, the branding more so would come from like home remodels. So when people are looking to maybe get their, their floors done or get, you know, something done in their closet or, you know, get something added to their house. That branding can sometimes be a little, can be a little challenging because you do so many things. But if you're a general contractor, that's general. So it may be hard to really brand a general contractor. But one of the things I will say with social media, and obviously that's a more visual thing. So basically you definitely need a social media so you can take pictures of your work. And so people can then go to your page and go to your website um, and see it, you know, all of your previous jobs. So, but I, so sometimes the construction can be a little bit tricky. Okay. So whenever you're starting a, uh, a new venture, would you suggest that people make their own social media handles on pages on different platforms in order to uh, portray and to take pictures of and share their, their product or service that way? Yeah, like once you decide what name you're going to go by and you've secured your name, when I say secured your name, I mean you either got a DBA or you got an LLC for the name then you totally go, you know, um, and make all your social media pages. Even if you're not going to use, like, even if you know you're probably not going to be on Twitter, go ahead and make the Twitter handle anyway, because at least now you have it in case you change your mind. Mm -hmm. So I would go and make all of the handles in case, you know, and you never know when you might decide to use them, because at least you don't have to worry about them being taken because you made them already. Yeah. Okay. So how have you gotten into the branding space? Um, before you started branding, you said you got into doing big events. How, what started that? Um, it was about maybe what, 2016, 2015. So about 2015, 2016, I started working for um, a printing broker. I started, or became a broker for a printer. And so just that's how I started really working with small businesses. Like I said, you know, doing business cards and flyers because those are, so I started working with the print. Let me back up. I started working with the printing company because my event planning clients needed items for their business. Um, and so then that kind of morphed in, I mean, not business events. So, you know, they needed posters, you needed invitations. So you needed certain things to, you know, put, to get your event out there. And so from that, then that kind of started working with the business owners as far as, you know, doing the printing the business cards and websites and that whole thing. And then it just kind of, as I got into it and started going around and meeting different people. And a lot of people would ask me, so how did, you know, how did I build my brand and how did this happen? I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. um, Cause that was the, that wasn't a word that was in my vocabulary at the time. Yeah. And so I was like brand, what are you talking about? And then, so a lot of people ask me, how did I do this? And how did I do that? And I would find myself having, you know, these long drawn out conversations and giving advice and they were listening to me. So the people were following my, 
was following my ideas. I was like, you know what? Maybe I ought to think about this. I'm like, I'm doing a lot of talking for free. Um, so which I went back, did some research. So I researched about a good month and month and a half, you know, on consulting and coaching and looking at different, you know, ways that I might want to do it, looking at how to, what type of packaging, what type of rates do I want to offer. I then I had reached out to a couple of people and say, hey, can I practice on you? Um, so I had a few people that, you know, I work, I did some branding for pro bono just to make sure I was, you know, this is a space that I wanted to be in. And next thing you know, um, the brand coach was born. <laughs> and now uh, we're about we're three years into this. And I say um, several events later, several clients. We have about over 400 clients. Wow. All in the yeah. San Antonio, Texas area? Uh, no, actually throughout the country. And I think I have one overseas client. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So we all have clients pretty much throughout the U.S. So um, Alabama, uh, Georgia, South North Carolina, uh, Illinois, um, obviously in a good portion of the cities here in Texas, um, California. Yeah, so we've so one the the joy about what I do is that I don't necessarily have to be in your city to do it. Yeah. You know, so a lot of the things I can do can take place over the internet. Um, you know, so that's one of the good things about it. So yeah, so definitely have, we have clients throughout the U.S. So would you say that since the pandemic this year, twenty twenty, that the clients you have acquired during that during this time. Uh, was it more or was it um, about the same as you've been acquiring over the last couple of years? Um, I say, I say we had a heavy increase. Like, honestly, we had a heavy increase once just for that short amount of time. So I'd say all of 20, so all of 2020, I think we got the bulk of our clients out of 2020 from May to like right now. Because obviously... I mean, like January, February, you know, we still, we, you know, I had stuff happening and then COVID hit like March and everything shut down. So we really only got two good years. I mean, two good months. So really, I'd say from, I even say from about June. So like about June to September was when we had the bulk of our clients for this year. And I'm pretty sure like we got a whole nother quarter to go. So we got three more months. So, and I, and I still, like, I just had, I got what? Three, two or three new clients just yesterday. Wow. Uh, all local, Texas? Uh, yeah, three, yeah, three of them. Uh, yes, three of them are, three, yeah, three of them live in San Antonio. I'll say four. So about four, honestly. So three of them live in San Antonio and one lives in Austin. Okay. Um, did you go to college? And if you did, what was your major? So yes, I went to the University of Missouri. Um, and I went to University of Houston and Charleston State. And so I majored in um, education first, and then I switched to social work. So I got an MSW and a I got a BSW and an MSW in social work. But I ended up spending about seventeen years as an educator and social worker in the school system. Okay, what made you switch from education to to social work? 
Cause I'm I'm a type of person I don't like to be pigeonholed. So I was like, I need to make sure because I'm I enjoyed college, but I knew I didn't necessarily want to have to go back to get a whole nother degree. So I wanted to pick a major where it would give me some diversity in my job, and that way I could do multiple things with this same degree. And so social work gave me that flexibility to be able to do um, different. Um, I don't, you know, you can work in a hospital, you can work in the VA, you can work in the schools, all with the same degree. And so, but teaching always kind of tugged at me. So I ended up getting my teaching certification. And then I spent about, I spent about 15 to 16 years in education before I started my business. Okay. So you went to school in Missouri uh were you born there why did you go to missouri university so actually i was born in illinois um oh i don't know i just i got fixed the age. i don't know i just kind of got had a little fixation with the university of missouri and then i was like i want to go there and so i ended up getting a scholarship there and i stayed i stayed there for three years until i transferred to texas wow so it was any um business work during that time when you were in college did you oh study? no like like yeah i would have it never really really crossed my mind in college honestly i don't think it did really until maybe until grad school and then i don't know if i really i'd say i said grad school yeah a little bit and then i was like okay after i get to a certain point then i'm gonna start but yeah it, it really really hit once i went overseas and i was working out i was teaching in abu dhabi um and that's when I really kind of started my entrepreneurial journey. Okay. So what, who helped you uh, get into what you're doing right now? Who um, mentored you? So one of my mentors, um, his name is Charles Johnson. I actually met him at an event when I first moved here. We just kind of clicked and he's always just pretty much been there for me. He's like, he's like my day one, you know, He's my day one. And so at any time I'm going through a rough patch or I'm not sure what to, how to move in my business, I can always call him and, you know, support him. But I have also a strong network of other entrepreneur friends that, you know, we hold each other accountable. So having that is really important. Um, but yeah, so Charles has been a really great man. And I come from a family of entrepreneurs. It's just that I, initially I took the college route. So then kind of came back to it uh, or came to entrepreneurship, you know, towards the end of my teaching career. But yeah, so Charles has been a really good um, mentor. Like I'd say, I mean, he's one of the best. So how long were you teaching before you decided to? Uh... Um, about 17 years. Okay. That's in the Texas area or in? So, no, I taught in Texas and Atlanta and then um, overseas in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi. Oh, you, so you were in Abu Dhabi. What led you there? I'm sorry? What, what led you to Abu Dhabi? Um, I got a pink slip <laughs> when I was in Atlanta. So budget cuts. And so it was kind of the first in, first out, or last in, last first out. It's about the last person hired um, for that school year. So one of my students, her dad was like, hey, you know, you should think of you know, applying for jobs in Dubai. And I was like, huh? Where is it? And I was like, nah, it's okay. I passed. 
And then something was like, you know what, just Google it. So I Googled it. Um, and which is funny because this is when, you know, Google was launched in 08. Yeah. Like right after the whole, right in the midst of the housing crash, which is so funny because I left to go to Abu Dhabi in 09. So Google was only one year old at the time. Because <laughs> uh. um, like Google, Airbnb, and there was one, uh, and one more, I think they all kind of launched at the same. This is why sometimes a pandemic or bad times can also be good times to start businesses. Because all three of those companies um, were started in, in 08. Um, and so, yeah, so I Googled it and I was like, oh, it's nice beaches and sand and water. I started looking at other pictures. I was like, okay, fine. So then I started Googling a little bit more, uh, searching a little bit more. And I was like, so I found this recruiter company. And so I applied and I was like, now I don't want to go. And then I was like, talking to my um, sorority sister. And she was like, hey, I think I'm going to apply for this job. I was like, where? She was like, Abu Dhabi. I just dropped the phone and bust out laughing. I was like, no way. <laughs> so we actually applied together and we got hired together. Um, and so, yeah, so we left to go to Abu Dhabi in 09. Wow. And so you taught in Abu Dhabi for how long? Uh, four years. Four years. Yeah. Learn the language, did you? Yeah, I know a little bit of Arabic. Yeah. What What was your favorite experience in Abu Dhabi? Shawarma, Fatou salad. Like, I love the Fatou. I love a, Oh, my God. I haven't had one. It's so funny because I have not even had one or found a really good one here yet. Yeah. The shawarma, chicken shawarmas um, were my favorite. Uh, the biryani rice. Um, and then I ate a lot of... Um, I ate a lot of African cuisine, too, like Sata, um and different like uh stewed uh, meats and stuff so because i got to travel a lot you know while living over there so i went to kenya like three times um and so kind of got kind of got some favorite places in kenya so like i feel like when i go back i like to go to all of my favorite places since i've been a couple times um hopefully they're still there so the next time i go i can go back to them um yeah. So yeah, so you you kind of learn quickly to you know your palate you know changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you get and you get you know you get accustomed to certain foods you know over there. And I mean, but they have all the restaurants we have here in the U.S. too. So that was the plus side of it. Like they have IHOP, they have McDonald's, they have KFC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of still eat the same foods, if not better. They have Fuddruckers. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah over there compared to over here here you yeah. have just the regular american fair but over there you have the signature cultural dish as well as the other yeah. more traditional american options that's really wow yeah like um uh what's it called the chickpeas oh uh cool not couscous but um Ule. is that what you think hummus so like i don't think i've, I've eaten Really was going. Out, that was the first time I really ate hummus. Um, yeah, so just kind of like even when I would be at work, like I would we'd eat lunch with Arabic teachers and you know eat different foods. But we had teachers from other countries as well. Like I, I worked with a couple of teachers from Jordan, you know, and they would bring you know dishes from their you know country. But on a on a general Arabic level, like a good portion of the food were generally the same. But other countries had. Um, 
had different stuff. So, you know, but it was fun though. It was a good time. Good yeah. time. Uh, what age range of children were you teaching? Uh, elementary, uh, like first grade, first grade, third grade. And I think I did fourth grade. Okay. So did, was there an issue with language? Did they know English when you got there or did they? No. So some of the kids knew English and thank God, cause I had an in-class translator. So one, my first year, a couple of little, a couple of boys knew English. So they would always translate for me. I know they was like, we're tired of this. <laughs> But it got better after a while because after a while they started to understand. So about year four, they were pretty much, they were good at it. Um, by year four, you could just hold a regular conversation and they understood what you were saying. Yeah. Was, yeah. There, uh, was it in a, uh, in a major, I mean, Abu Dhabi? There was a lot of like shopping centers and yeah. different big places there. So you had, like that's a... Uh, it's like a shopper's heaven. Right? Yeah, it, it. You know what it is, but it's almost like when you live there, it's a little bit different versus going to just visit. When you go visit, you just want to buy everything. But typically, when you live there, you kind of pace yourself with the shopping. Yeah. Because it's like it's now it's just like it's normal, you know. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you. I mean, especially if you know you're gonna when you're moving back on your way to the states, then you go buy up stuff that you know that you probably wouldn't get in the U.S. Yeah, you get souvenirs to bring back to family. Yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. So it was pretty fun. It was a good, it was a good experience. I, I, I do not, I, I will say it's one of the best portions of my life thus far. Wow. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? It's funny, like, I actually did want to be a teacher. Like, <laughs> It seems very funny. Most of the teachers that I've encountered, their first inclination was to not be a teacher. They didn't expect anything about being a teacher. There was nothing in their life and their experiences that would lead them to be teachers. But the, it seems that the teachers who don't want to be teachers are actually, in fact, very good teachers. It's very funny. Yeah, it is. I actually did. I was, and it was funny, like, when I was in high school, I guess more so I kind of like, okay, what am I going to major in? Like, as I got to like junior, senior year. Mm -hmm. And then like, when my freshman year at Mizzou, like I was elementary, I was elementary major. And then I didn't switch to social work, I think it's like my junior year. Okay. Yeah. So I was trying to stay the course. Then I thought about it. Like, yeah, I don't want to go back to school. And then I, cause I, I was like, well, let me, I graduated in 01. I got my teacher certification and I went to grad school like in 02. So I was like, let me hurry up and get this master's before I get lazy. Because <laughs> yeah. I know if I wait too long, I'm not going to go back. Mm -hmm. So I went to, I got my master's like right after, um, after my first year teaching. Wow. So that's, that's pretty quick, like turnaround, yeah. you know, college yeah. teaching then. Wow. Yeah. So so I feel like I was in school from 95 to 05. Wow. That, that, Literally. Uh, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. <laughs> I was in school long enough to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From 05 to 95. So it goes by quick, though. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
in, in starting your branding business, were there any uh, hiccups that you ran across the way, any um, type of things you would deem to be failures, but were in fact really helpful uh, as you? I mean, yeah, because it's just normal. I mean, every business, you're gonna hit some pitfalls every business. Like, at first I didn't really know how to get clients. I had no idea how I was gonna get clients. I knew that I could probably go to some of my current like clients that I printed stuff for and then kind of maneuver from there. But what I did was I just started putting it out in the atmosphere and I just started changing up my social media message. And so then I would, all of my posts, I would just start putting out tips about branding and I would hashtag the brand coach and all of my posts would be hashtag the brand coach. And so I just more so just started changing up how I did things and then it kind of people started coming my way, but I'm not going to lie. When I first started, I had no clue how I was going to get clients Mm -hmm. and what this is going to look like, but I'm just, I'm going to do it. Um, And so I'd say, you know, now that I have a whole nother, I mean, I have a full plan and structure now, but definitely when I first decided, like, I was like, okay, how am I like, cause I'm making a whole transition. Like it was a big deal. Like I'm saying, Hey, we are no longer an event planning company. And I had, I mean, I looked the whole video about it, about making a transition. So that way people knew we don't do events anymore. We only do events for business owners. So we still plan events, but we only do it for business owners now. Um, so that was a scary part. And I and that's, you know, then as far as, you know, my rates, if I was charging enough, you know, to be able to definitely sustain myself you know, through this. So yeah, it was a lot, um, honestly. And I just think that the more you, when the, the longer you stay the course and just kind of trust the process and you try, you build in good people and you seek out other people and you seek out, like you go to workshops, you invest in, you know, you invest in yourself, you know, go to conferences, go to workshops, you know, buy different materials. Um, as I say, I read a lot of journal articles and do a lot of blogs. Um, you know, and then just, you know, even like little eBooks and things of that nature, um, about, you know, just about stuff. So you have to invest in yourself and you gotta, you know, you, as an entrepreneur, there's nobody making you go get training. You have to, it has to be innate in you to want to get training and do better in your, in your field. Yeah. I mean, unless you have a specific, like as a hairstylist. The state you know, regulates you know your training, but in certain fields, there's nobody there to regulate your training. So you have to be, you know, you have to be diligent about that. But you know, definitely was a lot of pitfalls. Like I was, you know, trying to figure this out, and clients were mad at me, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it was a lot. And then I realized, okay here's what I got to do that really works for me and, and figuring out what in the branding space am I good at. And once I finally figured out what in this branding realm that I was good at, then I was like out the gate. So it took me a minute to find my, catch my bearings in this space. So our niche in the branding space is we help you build the foundation of your brand. That's our niche. And we strictly focus on developing your brand foundation and far as your visual brand and your internal brand. So it took me a minute to really get, get clarity on on what I really, really wanted to help people with because I and it's so funny is that I would see I would see these things happening. And um sorry. 
No, it's okay. I would see these things happening, and I was like, they should be doing X, Y, and Z, or they should be doing this. And I was like, you know what? It's clearly a lot of people out here that don't know that they're supposed to have a business bank account. It's clearly a lot of people out here that don't have, you know, their business structure together. And stuff that I thought was normal and common for business owners to do. And that's when one day it really said, me, you know, you know what? This is our lane. Helping people actually establish their business and brand foundation so that they can soar to greater heights. Because yeah. it all starts with the beginning. And a lot of it too, when I kind of delve into like establishing the importance of that support system and how important that is because that will make or break your business as well. So we kind of have, you know, from my social work background, I kind of deal with my clients similar to my training in social work is we take you where you are and get you to where you want to be. If okay. that makes sense. Yeah. So starting out a, a client-based company, um, what would you say someone needs to do in order to land their first paying client? Um, well, that's not first. You really need to figure out who, who, who your audience is. Like, honestly, now with the way technology is so much in social media, it's like, you number one, you need to get the back end, get your business together, figure out what services and products you're going to offer, what services you're going to offer, how are you going to offer them. And then after that, you literally then figure out your audience and you start crafting your message. And hopefully, like, you, here's the thing at this point, like, go get help. Like, go. Hire a consultant, hire a coach to help you do these things. Cause you don't, you no longer have to do it by like it's 2020. You no longer have to do anything by yourself anymore. Even starting a podcast. There's people out there that that's what their business is helping you launch and start your podcast. Yeah. So you're really not sure where to go in it. There's people out here for that. There's like somebody out here for everything at this point in life, but you can't, you, you can't, be, be too like you can't allow um you can't allow you know your pride or you know money or anything to get in the way of you getting help like pay the people's fee and get the help you need to not have to fall through these pit these pit holes if you don't have to so that's one of the things super important is that making sure that you have your, like you at least have the base structure together on who you are and what you want to do. And if it's not coming together, then get help and figure out now you got social media. All you got to do is now it's posting all these groups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is very. Um, so at this point, all you got to do is join all these business groups. Yeah. Or, you know, or hey, or like everything else, start with your friends and family. If somebody in there that has the business or whatever it is that you do, if you know, you know, start with start there. But everybody's on social media. You know, yeah. plan your launch. Let people know you're about to start this business. Like you gotta put that out there in the atmosphere. Yeah. So how would you say that someone who wants to start a uh, a service based business or an online course what would be the steps that I'd have to take in order to like promotion, the build, the development, the promotion of that? Uh, well, I think one thing you want to, well, you want to, again, you always want to figure out who your audience is and you want to build the course based on the needs of the, of your audience. 
And if you don't necessarily have an audience and it's your first time, you want to then look at and figure out what's not happening or what, where you feel there's a void that you can fill. Then you, you know, you put it together. I mean, there's like, there's Kajabi, there's Thinkific, there's, um, oh, there's another one that all these like course creator websites. And they now like, they now just walk you through it. And then, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole one, two, three, four, five, you know, the full out process and steps on how to launch. You know, once you put the course together, you know, make sure you have the right video equipment or you have the right information and, you know, go through, first of all, research and figure out what it takes to put a course together. Always. Research is always going to be the first thing. So anything you ask me, I'm going to say research first. There's always going to be my forever answer. So research first and figure out what components you need to set the course up and make sure you have these components in your business. Do you have a pay system? Do you have a way to, you know, what email system are you using? If you need an email system, are you on MailChimp or what other, you know, whichever, you know, mail service that you're using, make sure you have all the components first. So that's what comes through the research. And then, you know, you go, and then you, you know, go through the process of putting a course together, figuring out your outline, you know, write it down. What's session number one, session number two, what is that going to be about? And then, you know, you go from there. But at the, I think right now in 2020, everything like you can get a full, you can get a full out plan just by Googling something. Yeah. At this point. Like, honestly, so Google is like research and see what it takes to make it happen and then figure out what you get, what you need to make it happen and do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's I know it's it sounds easier said than done, but those are like, it's, it's really that easy to do per se. It's like really research, <laughs> figure out what it takes to make it. If you need time to purchase all these things, then you know, when you make a budget, make a plan till you can get your webcam, you get a, a, a whatever services you need to pay for, like make a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly. Yeah. How long would you say it took for you to uh, get the message across to people that the brand is what they really need in order oh, to... Oh, I'm still... It's an ongoing process. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> so what would you define a brand to be? Do you think that it's a... Is it a logo? Is it the, uh, the tag? That's the, that's the least that it is. The brand is always... The brand is how people perceive you. The brand, the brand is the experience, the experience and how the adjectives that your client base use to describe you, the emotion that you evoke in these people, that's the brand. Trustworthy. Are you, do you feel, do your people trust you? Are they loyal? Do you provide a good product? Was the experience, was it a good experience doing business with you? What does what does experience look like from A to Z? From the moment you contact me, what does that experience look like? Like you really kind of gotta have that together. So like like the website. If you want us to do a website at this point, once you contact us, you know we'll ask you a few questions, and then I'll email you the website questionnaire. You complete the website questionnaire. After you do that, we have a discovery call. We talk about the website questionnaire, and then I send you a custom estimate. At that point, after the estimate, you decide if the price is good. You approve the estimate. Once you approve the estimate, I turn the estimate into an invoice. After you see the invoice, you make your deposit of 50% down. Then we start on your website. We give you a full detailed calendar of what will be done, when it'll be done. 
you have your edit times, the days, that, you know, the conversation times. Once you're happy, you pay the remaining balance, you have your website, and voila. So, like, that's our whole website process. So, like, you need to have that process, whatever, you, however, whatever it is to do, however it is to do business with you, you need to have that process down. It's the same thing that happens when you go to any other store or restaurant. Even, I mean, some places are different. Like, when you go, like, there's a restaurant. Um, like, some restaurants, maybe you have to, you know, you, you go sit down first. Then somebody come to the table. You tell them what you want. Then you go do this. Like, at buffets, you typically go sit down. Somebody will probably come to the table. They're going to give you the plates. Then you go get the food. Mm -hmm. Then you come back and you eat all you want till your stomach hurts. You just... <laughs> Maybe you get the bill. Maybe you already paid first. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's process is different. At Super Salad, you pay first. And you go through the line. Lubies, you go in, you get the food, you pay, then you sit down. Mm -hmm. You see, so everybody's process is different, but you got to figure out what your process is and how smooth and and um, and enjoyable and what feelings are you leaving with that person after the process, after the sale is over? What's, what does your follow-up look like after the sale is over? What happens after they, you know, how long later do you contact them? That follow-up is really important. Okay. So it's the process of getting not just, it's not just your logo. It's not just your, that's yeah. That's the very last thing. No, those are like the websites, the logos. All those things are last. Because there's no point in creating it if you don't know who you're creating it for. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of that simple. <laughs> yeah. So it really is. There's no point. Like, there's no point in getting a website first. There's no point in getting a logo first when you don't even know who you're creating it for. Yeah. So it's about creating a certain customer experience that yes. will be associated with who you are, what your brand is, what your product or service does for your client or customer. Yeah. So when a person see your logo, it's like a little kid when you see the golden arches, then you light up. Yeah. Because and you tap your mom on the shoulder, your dad on the shoulder 20 times to see if they're going to stop. <laughs> it's that that's pretty much how the golden arches make every kid light up. Is that when people, when people see your logo, they should feel something. If, you've done your job yeah. in your arena. You know, you should, you should feel some type of way. It should make you want to do something. <laughs> it should maybe jog your memory. Hey, I need to call B. Michelle. Oh man, I need some new business cards or <laughs> however. Yeah. Something you should be like, you know what, you know, or you should just feel some type of way. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing that's important. Is, so it's all about the experience. It's all about what people say about you. Your brand is more so, it's, it's, way, it's less about you and the business and more about how customers perceive you and what they say about you. It's 90% okay. of what they say. <laughs> yeah. So it's, the, it's like you're bottling up that customer experience and you are, and that's yeah. what you've done on your, on your website, on your social and on, uh, on everything else that you have. Yeah. You take that you, you so is it that you take the actual customer experience or you take a your um 
your interpretation of what you want your customers to in the do. beginning you have to create it so in the beginning it has to be what do you want it to be so in the beginning it's your thought how do what do you want this experience to look like what adjectives do you want them to say and then you create that to get to evoke that emotion okay. so once you created it once you took the thought out your head and you didn't laid it out there on you want this to be as easy and simplistic as possible because you don't want people to have problems doing this this and this i want people to be excited i want people to feel happy about their brand like when i talk to people i'm just excited about their business as they are and if they're not excited they ought to be yeah so i talk with a level of excitement when i answer my phone is a level of excitement okay so all of those things are important because you want them to feel like number one you want them to feel comfortable I want my, I want when people call my office, I want them to know that they're about to get the best experience. They might laugh a couple times along the way. I want the experience to be enjoyable. So that way they was like, okay, we're sticking with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but you have to know the things to do to create that. It took me a while to get there. It was definitely not a day one situation. Mm-hmm. But luckily for me, I'd already, since I'd already been in business, I already pretty much had a brand as an event planner. So I kind of had, I just really shifted that brand now into branding. So people knew me as an event planner. They just knew me as B. Michelle Events. And so when we became the branding agency, it just, it, we just took a little, a little turn and then they just turned right with me. <laughs> so luckily for me, I already had a base. Yeah. Just people and networking and things of that nature. So now they just kind of knew me in a different capacity. So it took a while for them to realize we don't do events anymore, but they got it. And now we're off to the races. <laughs> oh, sounds amazing. So um, we're almost up on the hour. So uh, one last question before you go. Um, what you got? If you had the ability to uh, send a worldwide text, uh, what would your message be? If I can send a word, what would it be? Honestly, it would be so many things. But right now, I would say follow, like, and more so along the lines of follow your passion and, and, you know, know your purpose. Like, know your purpose and follow your passion. Be in tune with your purpose on this earth and hopefully that's tied to your passion which is something that you like to do so sometimes people get purpose and passion the purpose is the reason why you're here your passion is something that you like to do but hopefully your passion your purpose are aligned so my passion is helping people i'm passionate about seeing people succeed and seeing people do good i mean that's my purpose my passion and what I'm my and what I'm good at is making is educating people to be able to make that happen. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you're find find what you love, and yeah, what you know you are meant to do. Yes, some sort of a, a balance between the two in order of of getting your message out there, getting your brand out there, and that's what you specialize in branding. So. Yep. 
be Michelle, where can everyone go to see more of you and your work? Well, you can definitely have a YouTube channel, so you can um, uh, go to our uh, YouTube is be I think it's be Michelle on YouTube as well, but it's be Michelle pretty much on all platforms. Um, it's Coach Be Michelle on Instagram, on Facebook, um, and Twitter, and then um, we have the Be Michelle Branding Agency has a Facebook and a, a, a Instagram page as well, and that's B Space Michelle with one L Branding Agency. Okay. Well, thank you very much, B. Michelle. You're welcome. Thank okay. you. This was fun. Yeah. So, um, take care. Stay safe and well. And good thank luck. Thank you. And you too. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Gold Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at the Black Gold Pod in order to be updated about new episodes each week. In order to listen to incredible and inspiring stories, please go to the Black Gold Podcast website and make a donation so the stories of these incredible and amazing people We'll be waiting for you each and every week so that you may be inspired and become an inspiration to someone else. You can find all of that and more on the new Black Gold Podcast website, blackgoldpod.wordpress.com. That is B-L-A-C-K-G-O-L-D-P as in Paul, O-D dot WordPress, as in the blogging website, dot com. Again, that is blackgoldpod.wordpress.com. dot wordpress dot com.